Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. Discover the power within Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to World Spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions with your host, Reverend Paul John Roach. So hello and welcome to World Spirituality on the Unity Online Radio Network. I'm your host, yes, Paul John Roach, coming to you from Fort Worth in Texas. And thanks for tuning in today. We appreciate that, keeping this voice of an awakening world on the air Uh, This month, our theme on world spirituality is Practices for Awakening, and uh, so we kick March off by welcoming Janet Ellis today. So she's the author of Wake Up. That's kind of fitting, isn't it? Wake Up, Break the Generational Cycle and Be Yourself. Uh, Janet is a speaker, a life coach, training consultant, and interfaith minister. And her work directly relates to her life experience and the empowerment she's received from several mentors and also from times of inner transformation. So it's a joy to welcome Janet to today's show. Glad you're here. Welcome. Thanks, Paul. I'm glad to be here with you. And folks, this book is it's a little book, but it's its really nice. It's like we said, uh, wake up, break the generation generational cycle and be be yourself and uh, it's it's really janet's story uh, but it's laid out in such a way that it's our story too because there's lots of commonalities and one of the commonalities is life is difficult right it's sad um, but it's also a joy at the same time and, and that's the sort of interesting thing about life we can't have the one thing without the other right janet it's, it's a bit of a yin yang scenario definitely Yes, you need the two. Can't have one without the other, for sure. So a lot of the things you describe in your book, you know, they could say, oh, gosh, those were not so happy times. But on the other hand, they've they've informed you, right? They've, they've taught you what love and compassion are and um, given you impetus to do the work that you're doing today, presumably. It, exactly. I, I wouldn't be where I am today had I not gone through that. And, and of course, now it's a whole lot easier to say that than at the time I was going through it. But it, it is so true. It's, it's very true. In order to be able to um, stand in my truth today and be who I want to be, I literally had to go through those processes to get there. So your message to the reader is don't give up. Yeah. Yeah. I, for me, I mean, truly, from my heart, it, I, I knew I would be able to get through what I got through and, and come out on the other side breathing and loving life. If you'd have told me that 20 years ago, I'd have said something totally different than today. And so right. having known that I can, I know anybody that wants to put the work into it can as well. 
Right. So let's get specific. Um, you you uh, you share quite openly about you know some of the situations that you you came through and the family dynamics, right? And uh, yeah, part of which was you know substance abuse, uh, you know alcohol abuse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There was quite a bit there in the family. Um, for for me, my first memory was about six years old, and it was um, normal for my family dynamic. There was there was a lot of physical abuse in there. Um, verbal as well, and and the mental. Of course, back then in the '60s, we didn't speak much of the of the mental and the and the spiritual and emotional. It was more physical. So I I witnessed a lot of that. I didn't I didn't personally get hit. I was never physically abused as a child, but I witnessed that in the family dynamics between uh, mom and dad. And right. even though I I didn't experience it, um, seeing it does have a huge effect on on a child. Of course it does, and uh, and your dad was was an alcoholic. But then I, I understand from reading the book that when when they divorced, you know, your mother coped with it by also uh, you know turning to to substance abuse, right, herself. Yeah. Or that actually, was that previous as well. Well, mom mom didn't drink until she met dad, and then uh-huh. it finally I, we had a conversation one day, and it, it finally came to if you can't beat him, join him kind of situation so she she drank however she um dad came and took custody of us when i was 13 and um it woke her up paul and she ended up going back then they didn't have rehab so they had a psych ward in austin texas and she ended up in there for about six months and got dry and sober wow and had a fulfilling life after that Right. Yeah. Good for her that she was able to do yeah. that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now you you have powerful. siblings, and each one of them, of course, responds to this or reacts to these these traumas in a, in different ways. Right. Um, we're all different. Yeah. Um, yep. And and you, you you became the good girl, right? You you kept your nose clean. <laughs> you didn't you you know you didn't do anything untoward. You you kind of shut down in a way, right? At that age. I did. Yes, sir, and and I'm the middle child, so I'm I'm the ultimate poster child of a middle child, which means um, funny, entertaining, trying to lighten the load, so you know the fighting would stop and the and the dread and the sorrow would go away. Um, so, also also trying to get the attention that I wasn't when I wasn't getting needs met. In another way, I would also do stuff to to you know try to get their attention, no matter what it took. Good or bad, right. I work on trying to get that. So, yeah, it it is amazing that four of us came out of the same household. The way we're all different today, it is amazing. And survivors, I guess, right? Yes, we might yes, call it. I have. Yeah. <clears throat> yep, we're. You know, I have to say, Paul, I'm in awe of the fact that we are all who we are today, having been in the environment we grew up in. And I'm very, very proud of my siblings and love them dearly. And uh, yeah, very proud of them. And there's no one way, right way to do this either. I think that's something that our listeners need to know, right? There's no, there's no one set of rules or, or help guidelines, right? You do this and you'll be no. okay. Um, you know, if, if, if it was that simple, you know, we'd all be doing that, I guess. Right. So what, what, are, yeah. what are the, 
what are the core elements for you in in the moving you know through through that situation and coming out on the other side and not just surviving but as we say in unity sometimes thriving right we don't right. we don't want to just survive we we want to actually exactly. blossom as well yeah so so the big one for me paul and it's in the book is is that um i went through a divorce um and ran home to mama and said, can I live with you? And she said, only if you go to church. And I said, I'd do anything for room and board at that time. So I started attending Unity for the first time. And that was in 1986. And it was there, not just at the church I attended, but other places where um, I was able to connect, just like you said earlier, with mentors and such. Even you, you may not know this, but you were a big part of that change for me as well. And, and letting those people that um, showed up in my life and I wasn't even expecting them at the time, but they showed up and they're the ones that um, helped me to grow and to groom into who I am today. And, and you're right. It's, it's not about any one thing. It was a hit and miss for me in regards to, you know, getting a taste of something. Yes, that feels good. I had to really learn about what I was in need of from, from my inside out instead of my outside in. And that's such a huge lesson, isn't it? You know, we talk about that all the time in in, in the Unity teachings, right? That it's a, it's an inside job, you know, because so much of our lives, we're looking outside of ourselves, you know, hoping we're going to find the solution in a, in a partner or in a, in a, the right and perfect situation, job, whatever it might be. And, um, you know, unfortunately, it's never going to be that way, right? And, uh, yeah. We have to find it within ourselves before we can see it outside of ourselves. You know, and, and yet we project so much on others, hoping that they're going to be the one. You, you talked about that in the book. You know that um, your first marriage, you know, didn't work out the way you'd, you'd hoped, and and you had your wild time, right? You you were you oh, know yeah. kind of <laughs> keeping it all hidden when you were younger, but then you know as you went into your twenties, um, you experimented as well with. Um, with alcohol and drugs, right? Yes. Yes. I was, I was in that. It's, it's so interesting. If somebody had told me at 18 that once I walk out of that house, I don't have to take the crap with me. That would have been a miracle. I don't know that I'd have heard it, but it would have been beneficial maybe. Um, but yeah, you know, I still went into my twenties. I moved away from home. I was living in Austin in the seventies with the drinking and the drugging. And I just, I got real involved in all of that. And, uh, actually mom pulled up one day in front of my house with a U-Haul trailer attached to it saying, get your stuff. You're going home with me. And, uh, she ended up bringing me to Arlington and I found a dealer here and continued to do the behavior for a little while until I had a moment, an awakening and finally realized that I didn't want to be that anymore. Right. But it and seems sometimes you get, we, you know, you we, have, we have, whoops, can you hear me? Sorry. Yeah. 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 I was going to say sometimes it's um, necessary to go, you know, to lose oneself, you know, like the bit like the prodigal son, you know, he went off to a, 
yeah. a far land, a distant country, right? And um, yeah. you know, did the very same thing. It's it's a story about that becoming dissolute, you know, having all yeah. kinds of pleasures. But you know, we realize at one point, don't we? In that, well, unless we kill ourselves, sometimes we don't realize it, and and it, and unfortunately, some people just um, get lost in it completely. Yeah. But you know. Yeah. For, but the turnaround comes, I think, and I love that story of the prodigal son. You know, it, it's what it says. Um, the, the, he came to himself, and it's that inside job again, right? He was looking outside right. of himself for everything but then he came to himself he realized who he was both his dissolute part and his beauty right and and yeah. that he was loved no matter what um and then the journey home to the to the father who of course represents spirit maybe the father uh, the larger father figure um and, right. and a, a beautiful journey back right and which really you've lived many of us have lived right where we we go off and 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 in that that call from your mother when your mother showed up was that that must have been pretty dramatic oh yeah i was in shock i mean you know i just stood there and looked at her and honestly i didn't even say anything i just kind of you know numbed out and picked up stuff and threw it in in bags and boxes and and walked out the door and ended up you know back back in in Arlington um with no closure and and interestingly enough most places that I lived in I I didn't get that closure but I knew I I understood why she was doing it I didn't have enough insight yet to totally uh embrace it but I right. did know I did understand why she was doing what she was doing and she was spot on I mean she knew was it was like on. a first um, step, though, wasn't it? Back, yes. back home, yes. right? Not just yes, your sir. physical home, but your your real home, right. you know, your spiritual right. home. Yeah. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was so lost in Austin, Paul. I just all I knew was is I wanted to get away from home because of um, the stress and the overwhelmingness and and everything that was going on. Not that my parents didn't love me. I need to say that up front and most importantly. My parents loved me beyond belief in the way that they knew how to do it. And I hold no grudges. I have no resentment with them today because I know they were just doing the very best they could. And, and so my goal now is to be able to go further and, and healthier than what they were able to do. The irony sometimes, too, is that when we're abused or we suffer from other people's, you know, extreme behavior is that we still love them. Right. Um, yeah. And it's, yeah. it's part of the victim mentality in a way, you know, that the, the, the you're victimized, but you still love the, the victimizer, oh, my which, goodness. Yeah. which is which is a sad thing in a way. But, you know, because I've come across a, a lot of children who, you know, to be terribly hurt and abused by their parents, but would defend yes. their parents to the death, you know. Yes, um, so it's a strange little codependent relationship that goes on, isn't it? Yes, and, and so that the amazing piece of that is, for me, is that at one time, yes, I would, I would die for my mom or my dad, and it was very codependent. The, the healing and the ma magical, as I say, at, the, at this point is, is that it's a healthy forgiveness and love today. Whereas right. it wasn't before. Yeah. And that right. makes a huge difference to be able to know that difference. Between you know, your, your husband, uh, Len, has a nice quote in your book here. Um, 
which I think is so important because, you know, it's we have that moment of awakening, perhaps, that there's a better way. We may not know what it is, but we, we have that desire. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we're able to look and be honest about ourselves, maybe for the first time. But, uh, you know, it's it's okay to look. It's powerful to look, right? But there there has to be also some work that's de- that deepens it from just looking. And, I, and he says, and I think it's a great quote, he says, you can't just acknowledge the things that we saw as kids. We also must get in touch with the feelings underlying these events so that we can heal them. And I think that's so true. You know, it's one thing to say, oh, yeah, this happened. But unless you've really worked through all the emotions that are, and the feelings that are associated with that, right, there, there's no true transformation. So that's the painful bit, right, is, is to get yes. deep and dirty into the feelings, you know, because you don't want you yes. don't want to go there. Right. You want to hide them. No. You want to deny them in some way. Yeah, that's the biggest piece. And I, that's yeah, that is something I so admire about him, about Len and that he's he's helped me with through all these years we've been together is to, I give finally give myself permission to go there and take a look at those wounds because as it's being said today, more and more hurt people hurt people. And so as long as we are still sitting in that, that um, woundedness and that angst and anger and, you know, all those different emotions that we have because we've stuffed them for so long it's it's very hard to move forward or to have a healthy relationship or interact with others and connect in a way that we really would like to be able to do but it's not always a healthy one and so yeah that's been a it's been a deep and and dirty and and long um process in some incidences but being on the other side of it now it was worth every bit of it every bit of right. it right yeah i remember when i was uh I don't know, eight or something like that. And um, I, I'd lost uh, my parents and I had lost uh, uh, my, my sister. Um, she mm. she uh, was profoundly disabled and, and didn't survive. You know, she died at five. But after that, wow, my father sorry. took up drink, drinking a lot. And, um, and when, but he, you know, when he got drunk, he got become ugly as, as often. Yep you know people do yes. and he, he would come home mean you know and would get into arguments with my mother and and i remember it listening across you know from one bedroom to the other him haranguing her and then she she would cry and then he'd be satisfied uh-huh. and sometimes she'd you know pretend to cry and if he if he knew that she was pretending he'd get even angrier you know uh-huh. um, he wanted the real <laughs> yeah. tears and uh, uh-huh. it's very sad he was a lovely man you know when he wasn't exactly. drinking and, I, and as you said i loved him you know yeah. um but but uh it was very frightening for a child to listen to that you know oh, a lot a lot yeah. many nights during that period you know and yep. so you go into a sort of a shell uh, to protect yourself, you know, from that, and, yep. and maybe get into some habits that you don't really, that aren't really, like you said, healthy, right? Because you're right. you're doing things to to protect yourself. Exactly, and I I like what you said earlier. It's it's that is survival mode, and that's where I was as a child. It was under my bed or in a closet. The closet was the safest place for me. And and right. I even remember as I got older, but I'm getting real here. There were moments as I got even older as an adult that things have come up where I go to my closet sometimes still because it's it's always been the safest place. It depends on how traumatizing it is or what's going on. However, I've right. been able to 
finally have my inner self be my closet instead of having to physically go there. So, yeah, it's, you know, but it is important. It's not just about surviving. It's about thriving and being able to understand that life is so much more than just surviving, so much more. Well, you know, John Lennon said, whatever gets you through the night's all right, right? So yeah, sometimes, you know, exactly. we just have to do what, what works for us. Um, That's you know, right. I, I, That's I like right. to, I check out occasionally, you know, I don't go into it in a closet, but I go into nature and, and hide yeah, away in, in, in the woods or whatever. But it's a similar kind of thing, you know, you're getting away yep. from it all. Um, mm -hmm. And Jesus himself said, go into your inner closet and pray in secret. Right? Yeah, there you go. Of course, he was probably referring <laughs> to that in a, a sanctum within our own hearts, but... That's but, you know, right. if, if it's a physical place that we need, I, I think it's okay. You know, let's not yeah. beat up on ourselves because we're not, you know, totally enlightened yet, right? No, no. You, you know, that's another piece right there, Paul, and I love that you say that. It's We are still human. And, you know, I've, I've been involved with New new Thought for since 86, and, you know, I'm not I'm not walking on water, and that's okay. And, right. And, to not beat up on ourselves, you know, because this is an ongoing process. That as long as I am willing to keep learning and to keep waking up, I, I will embrace this every step of the way. Right, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and that's one of your chapters, isn't it? We're normal, you know, no matter what. Um, that's, yes. Yeah, yes. you know, that's unless, unless know. I should say, though, there is a, um, a caveat to that and there, there are some people walking around you know that are psychotic and uh, uh you know really strange people uh, yeah. psychopathic perhaps you know I, I i don't call that normal right where people no, want to hurt no. other people right we're not talking about that but for, for right. the majority of us who are struggling to make sense of life and are generally kind people you know we're mm -hmm. all in this together yeah we're normal so um, you know, That's there are right. some folks that you could say, mm, bless their hearts, but they've, they've crossed the line there, you know, where they just want to yes. uh, destroy others. And that's, that's, right. uh, that's not acceptable, but. No, but, no, that's yeah. not what I meant. Normal. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I agree yeah. with you completely. You know, you, you had a mentor in Linda Prendergrass who was, um, a unity minister, you know, in Arlington, mm -hmm. Texas for many years. And there's a great story, isn't there, where you're, you're looking to find your um, your next perfect partner, I think it was. And uh, you've <laughs> yes. written like four pages of, of uh, in, in, you know, detailed script about this perfect person that you're going to find. And uh, I must have been in one of those workshops, you know. And yes. uh, she approached you, as I remember, in the book and said, uh, you know, how many of these qualities have you already embodied in yourself, you know? Yep. And uh, for some reason, that didn't strike you very well. And you you, know, <laughs> you tore up the paper and everything. I guess she was she was coming a little too close to home here, wasn't she? Oh, she was man. Uh, she hit core. Yeah. Yeah. She did. You didn't and want. Was, you didn't want to hear that. You you thought it was all no. about finding the person out there again, right? Yes, sir. I thought I was going to come back to this class, and I said I did the homework. Now show me the man. And yeah. <laughs> and then she made that comment, and I tore that paper up and threw it at her. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, Linda was always good at pushing buttons. That's for sure. You know? Yeah, exactly. That was her teaching style, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, it was. It was. But I knew she loved me, so I, I was kind well, of open to it. I yeah. had some moments, but <laughs> yeah, she was something else.
Well, again, you know, the message was look within yourself, right? If you're going to find this perfect person with all these qualities, you know, uh, obviously you're there, they're a projection of what's already, you know, nascent within yourself, right? That's that right. you have those qualities, right? Yeah. 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 And I still hear it today. So, Paul, I'm at a high school right now. I mentor teenagers and right. I'm working with them on their mission and vision and 10th graders being, you know, 16, I guess. And, and the, the dynamic is still the same generationally. That guy was such a jerk and he treated me like crap and blah, 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 blah. And I'll ask him, what kind of person do you want? We're working on vision boards right now. What kind of individual, how do you want to be treated? And, and they'll tell me and I'll say, how, how funny, how much of that are you already? And yeah. they don't get it. And, and they're still working off previous generational behavior in their family dynamics. And, you know, I would honestly, I would have thought by now that had changed with women's lib and such. But I think what we created was a bunch of women acting like males. No offense. Right. <laughs> well, there's but a way yeah, to, there's there's still, work to be done, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Still. But they're still, you know, they're still they're still in that space of of looking outside of themselves and. The blessing and beauty of it is, is that I get to work with them at this age instead of having to wait. You know, you hear it all the time in unity as far as, oh, I wish I had this when I was in high school or I wish I had this when I was younger. And I'm working with them at a younger age and hopefully, you know, planting seeds that they'll get later on down the road. Well, you know, uh, you mentioned Marianne Williamson in the book and, you know, one of her famous quotes is, you know, our deepest fear is not we're inadequate, our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. In other words, you know, it's easier to, to be in an ain't it awful, you know, scenario because at least then there's not a whole lot required of me, right? Um, it's right. their fault, you know, I don't have to do any work. But um, so, so there's a comfortability to be in, um, you know, he treated me wrong, right? And that's why we have yeah. a whole industry of music that's based on, you know, they did me wrong and all that, um, <laughs> you know, because it keeps us stuck in in that scenario, you know, which we that's like. Right. It's really, it's a little harder, isn't it, to step forth in, into a newness of life, right? Yeah. Requires some work. Yeah. Absolutely. And you got, yeah. And, and the hypocrisy, um, that was one of the biggest things when I when I claimed how authentic I wanted to be and real I wanted to be. Um, man, I'm I'm always getting called on. You know, are you walking your talk? If I'm if I'm not being who I'm asking these students to be, then I have no right to be telling them what you know, offering them information. And that's one of my biggest things is to to be walking my talk and not just talking. Right. Very good. Um, I don't, you know, I know that phrase is helpful, walking your talk, but people use it a lot to beat up on other people. You know, if they, they uh, perceive that you're not doing it the way they like, they go, you're not uh, walking your uh, talk. Well, you know, yeah. who's to, who are you to decide? You know, we all must, right. must look at our, ourselves. Folks, I'm with Janet Ellis. Um, we're looking at her lovely book, Wake Up, Break the Generational Cycle of Be Yourself. And all the things we've been talking about, you'll find in the book. We're going to take a break. But we'll come back and look a little more about how we can reframe our lives and live a more magnificent expression of who we are in truth. Join us in a couple of minutes.
You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. We now return to World Spirituality with Reverend Paul John Roach. All right, welcome back to today's show. Um, I'm Paul John Roach, and this month we're looking at practices for awakening. And uh, the theme is uh, interesting because the first uh, week here we're looking at a book called Wake Up by Janet Ellis. And I've been talking with her at the first segment, and uh, so we're going to talk some more. Um, it's never too late to reframe. We've, that's been a sort of a theme, and, and or to wake up. So, Janet, let me let me ask you: what, when we say wake up, what, what is that for you? What does that mean? There, there was a time in my life that it was almost like I was on automatic pilot, um, mm. habitual behaviors. I just continued with with what I could do. Um, didn't. You know, just automatically, I I just functioned. I think it was like we were saying earlier; it was like a survival mode, and I just right. went along and did daily things. But there was no excitement, there was no joy, there was there was just nothing there for me. And the waking up part was um, the reality of a time in my life where I was getting sick and tired of being sick and tired, as they have has, as it has been said, and. I knew that there was so much more and I felt something really deep inside of me. Um, and I had to un- unveil those layers for that to be able to come up and come out. And so it's kind of like a piece of me woke up. There's a part of me that was um, longing and, and passionate about wanting to be heard and seen. And so once that would come up, I would take steps, whether it be baby steps or major steps, to um, allow myself to open up and feel whatever was there and deal with whatever needed to be dealt with at that time to be able to um, heal stuff so I could move forward and and be bigger and better and happier and fulfilling in my life. Right, exactly. I like what you say, you know, walking around on autopilot. Uh, you know, I like to think of it as almost like a trance, you know, we're, we're not really yes. present, right? We've been That's right. Um, hypnotized by the past or whatever it is. Um, mm-hmm. And to wake up is, is to say, no, I, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to I want to feel. And, you know, it's not like we have to have huge epiphanies here where, right. where everything's, you know, transformed. But it's just the idea of being present to something, I think, is huge, right? Yeah. Yes. To feel something, even to just breathe, to breathe and to feel the breath going in, um, to look at a bird or something like that, you know, to be present to another person and, and, and listen to them without, um, you know, trying to fill in the gaps, you know, just, just to be there for somebody. All those are mm-hmm. moments of awakening for me, you know, right, where we're, yes. we're, um, we're just present, right? And I think the Linda Prendergrass moment, you know, where she said that to you and you, you uh, ripped up what she'd written, um, mm-hmm. although that was a discomforting thing, you were present at that moment. You know, she brought mm-hmm. you into that moment, you know, before you were projecting all these qualities onto this ideal person. 
But when she sort of burst your bubble there, it brought you into the moment, you know, and in that moment you, you broke, you know, you ripped the paper. And to me, that, that was, that's a wake up moment. You know, there you were doing something very direct, you know, um, right. not projecting anymore. So, you know, there's so many ways I think that waking up can happen and it doesn't always have to happen. You know, you, you had a bliss moment or whatever. I think some people, you know, wait till that happens before they can say I've got awakened and um, right you know I'd say that it it happens in many different ways it does you're absolutely right and and one of the biggest things for me that I needed to change is that it didn't have to be bad it didn't have to be horrible I didn't have to lose somebody I didn't have to get sick or somebody else didn't have to get sick for this to be a you know, a moment where we can come together connecting and, and waking up more. There is, yes. it, it can be done with ease and grace and lots of love and excitement. I've had moments that are just, there are no words to define. And all I can say is I'm in awe because, my God, if it wasn't for God, I, it would have never, there's no words. There's no words to put to describe it, the the feelings you have about it. So, yeah, it's it can be huge. It can be tiny. And it can be just as eventful as ever. You know, they say that uh, God, or whatever it is, the divine, uh, right. you know, conspires, you know, to help us. And I, I like that mm-hmm. idea that, the, you know, that this idea that, uh, you know, that God loves us so much that it will arrange things to happen. You know, that no we can, we can't, we can't. Uh, it's pass away, pass off as a coincidence or whatever. And there's no. two fantastic descriptions in your book of, of that, right? The, <laughs> yes. The, after your mom died, you, you, you gave away some of her uh, dresses, right, to Goodwill or to whatever, where, where you know, they could be recycled. And right. uh, then you took a... a a volunteer position in a in a theater, you know, where where you were helping out and doing a few roles as well, and the dresses showed up, right? Because I guess somebody had gone to the, the 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 store and found them for the play. But what what mm-hmm. a coincidence, you know? There you are on stage, and there's these other people wearing your mom's dresses, right? I mean, is oh, that, that is that God's little joke or what? You know? Oh, that yeah. And and the special piece about that, Paul, was I was volunteering at a women's shelter at the location where the where you you know they don't know where the women are living, and these were right. mom's awesome dresses, and I thought, man, these women deserve this. So it wasn't even like I donated it to a thrift shop or Goodwill or anything. I gave it to the women, and it ended up from Arlington. It went to Fort Worth, and then the Granberry to a to a resale shop. And it just so uh-huh. happened the theater in Mansfield went to that store and got those dresses. <laughs> you couldn't even yeah. plan that. <laughs> That's pretty cool, you know. And it was yeah. uh, it was a blessing for them because they had dresses for the production. But what an amazing blessing for yeah. you, you know, which tells yeah. you, you know, we're always connected, right? There's, there's there, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's powerful. And then the second one was, you know, when you were going down to Houston on a, on a rally with the church, I think with the teen group, and you didn't really want to yep. go because that's where your your dad was living when you know at the time he passed away, but you went anyway and um, extended if you like um, yourself, and uh, <laughs> you ended up staying you know with um, with the host family who, who yep. li- either lived or or were next door to the townhouse where your dad uh, your dad was right is that is that right 
That's yes. what I remember yes. reading it. Yeah. Yeah. And and what was so interesting, Paul, that you, you can relate to this. Typically, when a when a sponsor goes with teens, even when host families take us, we always have kids with us. And this particular time, this couple walks up and, you know, they introduce me and everything. And I go, how many kids are we going to have? And they said, oh, none. We're new to the church. We wanted to help a little bit, but we don't have a whole lot of space. And I thought, oh, my God, this is great. I get to be in a house without any kids. (laughs) And I know that by the time we we got into their vehicle and we were heading to um, their place, it started looking familiar. But it had been 10 years since I'd been at my dad's place. And they pulled into the parking lot and their place is the same layout as my dad's was. Wow. Yeah. So again, they a have no idea what of, happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, it's uh, it's just lessons, isn't it? It's um, yes. moments of uh, recognition, if you like. You know that there there yeah. is a divine order, as we say in Unity, right? There's a divine order to everything. Yeah, absolutely. It was amazing. So you 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 know you you uh, were there alone as a ch- uh, so your inner child you, you mentioned this in the book what what is this inner child I know we we use that term broadly um, and that we yeah. all have an inner child is is that correct do you think Yes and the piece for me that I finally got after you know time in therapy and again working on myself and and um, you know, unity and, and mentors and such, my understanding, there were parts of me that shut down emotionally as I grew because of the um, dynamics that occurred. Like um, six years old, there's a part of me inside that still, you know, things, you could push a button and that six-year-old energy would come up. And there could be a 12-year-old energy that comes up. And, and it's parts of me that had shut down or chose not to evolve emotionally or spiritually. And um, I really had to do some major work on, on those pieces of me. It's not like they're separate, but it's, it's the energy in me that, that kind of shut down emotionally. And so, um, yeah, there's major work I've had to do in that area big time. So it's like there is one time where I, I ended up having to go into a house I lived into not literally, but, you know, figuratively, and, and pull that six-year-old out of the closet. And that was, I, I did it visually, but it was bringing in that emotional energy and healing it so I could mature, be more mature. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And, and yeah. uh, you know, I think some people think, oh, you're in a child and that's sort of twee, it's silly or whatever. But I like the mm-hmm. way you talk about that. You know, there's certain times where something happened and, and that there's a stuck place and you can go back to that time. Well, that resonates for me, you know, that like I was sharing about my time after my 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 uh, my sister, you know, passed away. Yeah. And um, exactly. it was a, a very difficult time. And so. You know, and I hid a lot of the emotions that I felt for many yeah. years. You know, and uh, so to go back to that is is uh, is, is hugely important. I think I, I went back in a, a regression one time to um, the hill where my dad used to take me quite often. You know, that I loved, mm-hmm. and um, 
had a, actually a vision of him, you know, and then he talked to me and uh, this was like 20, 30 years after he died. And um, mm. and it was very powerful. And he, he said, it's been a long time, son. And I just, it, mm. you know, my heart opened like a vortex. And I remember oh, I could I see the spirals mm. coming out of my heart, you know. It was Aww. just amazing. And, and, and it was very freeing because it was the idea that he was still around, you know, that... Right. Um, he may have died when I was young, relatively young, but, um, you know, the connection is still there, right? Because everything is, is everything in the universe, right? There's this, uh, yeah. this, this, it's not subject to time and space here. So we can go back, we can re uh, reframe, we can make connection because it's, it's all here anyway. Right. And I, I love right. that idea. Um, and, and God is, it's in God's good, um, Good grace, you know that, uh, yeah. that that we're all we're all protected. We're all. Um... So, you mentioned passion. You're a passionate person. Um, why is passion so important? Do you think? Well, in my in my journey, um, there was a point where I really didn't know. I really didn't know. Period. I didn't know that I didn't know that I didn't know, and. And part of that waking up is to be able to find out what my – the biggest step was to find out what my gift is and, and why I'm here. You know, why am I even here? And right. um, that was huge for me. I mean, that literally changed my life. And to find that I do have passion in my heart and there are things that I, I am here to do and be to guide and assist others and to also continue to heal me as I do this. Again, it's like with the teenagers. I feel like a teenager when I'm with them. It doesn't matter how old I am, per you know, via number. But when I hook up with these teens, I feel like I sit right in with them because that was the area that I had really missed out on in in growing up. And so that passion and connecting with these kids, I can relate to them. They relate to me, and I can create a place that is safe enough for them to be able to find out who they really are and what their passions are in life because when you focus on that passion it drives you forward even though you may not feel it some days that passion is there so it's kind of like martin luther king's passion for equality and freedom that it moved him every step every breath he took it was about that and each and every one of us has that in us and that's the part of waking that up so we can move forward and be that that we're meant to be interesting isn't it i was thinking while you were speaking um those eloquent words you know that it's, it's sort of counterintuitive you know when you come to yourself then you can get over yourself you know yeah. how does that work um and then you that. can extend to others right but when, when you yes. can't really be honest you're you become obsessed with yourself in some way you know you you're always trying to find out yeah, you know, who you are, and and life is is mirrored through every uh, through your own ego. But but when you mm -hmm. come home to the true nature of you, who you are, mm -hmm. then you can um, easily relax, you know, and and just be there for others, um, right. as you are with these teenagers. You know, that's what reminded me of it. And yeah. uh, we can extend beyond uh, when when we understand what our passion is. You know, we're not so caught up with all our worries and concerns. We're just thrilled to share our passion. We can't right. wait to give it away, right? We want, we right. want to, we want to share it. And um, yeah. there's nothing, there's nothing like that feeling. I think. 
No, it's it's amazing. And, you know, it's funny because Len, my husband, has said before, he's he shared with others, he said, you know, the most I ever see this woman lit up is when she's with the teens. Not just her face, her whole body lights up. I mean, you can just see it in her, the love that yeah. she has. And I do. I mean, it's just amazing that, that's, that that's I, cool. I have found that, which, you know, I've spent most of my life hiding. So to be out and, and be able to, you know, share and be with these kids is just uh, phenomenal for me. Yeah. So it's a win-win, you know, my needs are getting met and so are theirs. And, and that's what it's about is, is in that passion, you're sharing what you love with another and making that human connection or that heart to heart connection that we're really right. here to do. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. I love mm-hmm. it. Yeah. You've got a chapter on self-care, you know, and all the passion and all the pushing and all the practicing that we're doing. We have mm. to also take time, you know, to be quiet and just relax, right, and, and treat, treat ourselves well. I remember uh, M. Scott Peck, you know, in his um, his famous book, uh, Seven Habits. Um, what is it? Seven Habits for Highly Successful People or whatever. Yes. Uh, you know, the one of the habits was... Uh, to sharpen the saw, you know, they had seven habits and the seventh one was sharpening the saw. In other words, right. you got to t- take time apart to, to, to make sure that the equipment that you have is in good order. In other words, when Absolutely. our equipment is ourselves. So, so we have to be good to ourselves. And I've always felt that was so important, you know, that there's, there's time to nurture ourselves, right? So we have to take, mm-hmm. we don't want to run ourselves ragged here. No, especially caretakers. We're the worst. Yeah, <laughs> and, you that's know, right. If you don't have it, if you don't have it in your vessel, then how can you give it to anybody else? And right. I, I love that that piece on the plane where they drop the oxygen mask and they ask, "Who do you put it on first? And most people say the kid, but that's not true. It's you, because right. if you don't have that mask on, you pass out, and the kid passes out, then you're in trouble. Exactly. And I always use yeah. that example in workshops and such because it's so true. And, and you know, I've, I've gone many, many years without, you know, giving and giving and giving and getting so drained and sick. And, you know, the realization, my wake-up moment now is I've, I have got to be taking care of myself so I can be here to help others. Right. Be beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think one. that was one of the things I learned, you know, as a minister myself was <laughs> – uh, self-care you know you, you, you have yeah. to have those times and uh, some people would say well are you taking a vacation again well you know no I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I'm doing it because I need that time and I'll come back yeah. stronger you know because you know right. I'm not afraid to work hard and good lord you do in ministry but yeah. uh, it's yeah. also good to get away get away from it and I think that's true on a daily basis too right find some time right. each day just to to relax to you know that's why people say meditate or whatever but even if you're not into right. meditation it's 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 a time just to just be still right to be quiet right. yeah cuz so much of the energy i i mean look at us you know all around the world i mean this that we we're inundated with negativity and energies that that don't really meet our needs and and so to learn how to set the boundaries so that we can live in that energy and still be whole and healthy, um, it is important on a daily basis to cleanse ourselves and to disconnect and, you know, just re reground and, and, uh, make ourselves whole again. So I, we've covered a lot of ground here. We, we've talked about, um, 
you know, reframing and, and going back and, and loving our inner child and healing some of those moments. We talked about being honest with ourselves, right? But also to to, to go deep into the feelings, etc. to find our passion and uh, to know that we're normal, right? No matter what, uh, how strange mm-hmm. we, we think we are at times. Yeah, um, right. And, and um, you know, and also, I know you're you're a big advocate of visioning, right? And we talked about yeah. vision boards a little bit earlier. What, what's the power within visioning for you? Um, there's there's a connection that's made energy-wise again. Um, so I've had this experience a number of times, and um, one of the biggest ones was when Len and I were originally getting married. Um, we went through a workshop with Maria Nemeth and it was a two weekend process. And the second weekend was creating vision boards, two vision boards with both of us working on them. And it was the most amazing experience I ever had Paul with both of our energies going into something we wanted together. And um, we created our wedding on one and our honeymoon on the other. And both came to fulfilling we got married in Austin on a on a in my sister's backyard on a hillside, and then we went to Maui for a week, you know, minimally in a uh, condo that we found that we you know a fully stocked condo that we were able to stay at for a week, and it was just amazing. And so, um, what I'm teaching the kids today now is that, um, and I just I finished my own vision board for this year. Your brain does not see in words, it sees in pictures. And whatever you put in front of that and your eyes see, your brain takes that on automatically. It doesn't know what's real and what's unreal. And so we need to feed it information so it knows what we want to help us get there. And so it's kind of like goal setting, but in a different kind of way. But if you put in front of you what it is you want on paper and thought or in vision, with pictures and stuff, it's going to help you get to that a whole lot quicker than just kind of flying by the seat of your pants. It's also going into the sort of subconscious realms, isn't it? You know, beyond thought, right? Um, Which is where we make connections to spirit, of course, through the subconscious. And and so we're really connecting in a deep way, you know, in that regard. So, yeah, it can be very powerful. We used to call them treasure maps as well in Unity, but I I know vision boards are... You know what people commonly call them today, but it's the same idea. You know, there, there's treasure within you, um, which you're releasing, right? So that's why I like right. the word treasure map. It's it's the yeah. idea that there's that that field where the treasure is. Again, that was one of Jesus's parables, you know, and and you know you you, you to find that treasure is is the most important thing in in our lives, right? To to yeah. release the um, the inner splendor that we are. Right, and there's that passion again. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah fascinating stuff. Good stuff. You know, the down, <laughs> downside to visioning is that if we just let it just happen in our heads, um, you know, where we're projecting outwards onto, like you did earlier on, you know, when you didn't realize that it was an inside job. Uh, I think we've right. all been there, you know, and, and you wonder why it doesn't happen. Well, because yes. you're not letting it percolate deep into your subconscious and making connections to spirit, you know, you're 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 in the hopefulness rather than in right. knowingness, and um, yes, you know that 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 doesn't really that isn't very effective. Not at all. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. So with the kids today, we're talking, we're doing vision now, and it's like I want you to be in the present moment. So they're looking at their lives in ten years. They're going to be twenty six, and they are scared to death to look at that. 
And yeah. I'm going like, well, so you have a choice. You know, you can either create what you want or not create anything and hope for the best. Right. And you know, they're they're having a hard time grabbing hold of that, but we're we're getting there. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Well, yeah. and at that age, they can't see much further than, you know, no. the next boyfriend yeah. or girlfriend or, That's you know, right. what's, what's the next party <laughs> or whatever, you know. We're That's sort of into right. that, aren't we? This idea of projecting, oh, my goodness, that's scary, you know. Yeah, um, right. Yeah. Life's complicated when you're so a teenager. Old. Yes. Oh, um, I'm so glad I'm not that age anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. Um, could you... Uh, we have about a minute left. Could you share with the listeners, you know, something important that they, you would like them to embody this week? If there's one sort of kernel to the book, uh, the wake up book, what would what would it be? What would you like to share with them um, that that uh, you think is sort of essential that they might know? The most important thing I, I believe is that you, you are special and you're important enough to get to know. And if you would take the time that we've talked about that, that space or that emptiness or the meditation and just know that there are things in your heart that you're longing for and to give yourself permission to, to have it and to be that. There is a passion and a gift inside of each and every one of you and you have the right to know that. So no matter what has happened, generation after generation after generation, no matter what you've been told or most of the knowledge you have is somebody else's, it's not even yours. And so take the time to find out what is yours and what isn't yours anymore and claim yours and let the rest go. Yeah, lovely, beautiful advice. There's a lot of profundity in those, in those mm-hmm. words there. Uh, folks, we're at Thanks. the end of the show. Let me tell you about next week, and then we'll say goodbye to uh, to Janet. Um, next week, Sarah Main joins me, and she's going to talk about the wisdom of Sanskrit. She's a Sanskrit scholar, and is using the the beauty and and science of that of that language to find clarity and success in our lives. It's uh, a book is called uh, Conscious Confidence, uh, using Sanskrit at a very deep level. So that should, should be quite interesting, I think. Uh, another weight of awakening to, to new newness of life. So um, join me then for that. But right now, I want to thank uh, Janet Ellis so much for both writing the book and for being with us. Thank you, Paul. It was great. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And thanks, folks, for listening. Talk to you next week. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash divine 2022 